The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey guys, Brandon Warren here from Zone Coverage and the Midwest Wing Podcast here to talk to you about Circle Rock Clothing Company here in Minneapolis. Circle Rock began in 2018 because they saw a gap in the casual clothing market. They felt that business casual needed to up its game, and they were also not down with the fact that 97% of the production in the clothing industry in this country was moved offshore. At Circle Rock, you can find a little bit of everything. Suits, vests, sweaters, blazers, belts, jackets, pants, anything you need to look your best regardless of the situation. And at Circle Rock, not only is their style uniquely upgraded American, their suppliers are too. We at Zone Coverage have partnered up with Circle Rock, and the promo code is ZONE25. With that promo code, you can receive a $25 gift card good for your next purchase. It's not just suits. It's all kinds of menswear. They also just opened up the House of Style in southwest Minneapolis on West 44th Street, so you can check them out in person as well. Otherwise, go to CircleRock.com. And again, don't forget to use the coupon code ZONE25. That's CircleRock and CircleRock.com. Up your game. Welcome back to Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. You can find Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage and Man and Midwest Swing at Midwest Swing Pod. Across the table today, Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3. What up? So we were just, uh, Bailey and I were talking about the good and the bad about Los Angeles. Ooh. We had an in-depth, in-depth conversation before you came here. I think it's because it's snowing out and cold and... Yeah, and that Bailey that he speaks of is at I am Justin Bailey on Twitter. Justin Bailey, as his uh, is his street name, I guess. <laughs> and uh, he's got a microphone; it's not on, but he just spit coffee all over the place. So he's gonna need a moment to clean himself up. But we were talking about it being the best time to ever be a Twins fan. Now we discussed yeah. if that was an appropriate headline, and and yeah. so what I was going for was the hook. This is my opinion. Now, I got way less pushback than I expected. I thought you'd get the hurdy der 1987 91. Now, keep in mind, if you were to look back on the Joe Maurer career, yeah. your level of excitement at the beginning sure. versus how you look back on it, two different things, right? You're yeah. thinking, Joe Maurer, you know, maybe he'll be a Hall of Famer. Maybe he'll be the best catcher of all time. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's not the best catcher of all time. I think that's Johnny Bench. But you have to keep in mind you're looking into the future for this. And so 1987, you come in off the last place finish in 86. So that moment in time was not the best time to be a Twins fan. After 87, yeah, it's really exciting. 88, you're pretty good. You finish second. You don't go to the playoffs because the wild card doesn't exist. And then, boom, you nosedive. Yeah. 91, in 90, you had finished, I think, sixth or seventh because this was back in the AL West days. You're super psyched. You win the World Series 92. You finish second. Boom, 90 losses in a row for like 25 straight years. And that was, was a long time, actually. But th- uh, look at me. I'm the guy that became a Twins fan in 1993. Like the worst possible right, time. Right. And I, I retired my Twins cap probably about 2010, 2011. 2010, covering them. 2010 yeah. was the last year I had season tickets, but I covered my first game the last weekend of the season. Toronto came to Minneapolis, and it was Cito Gaston's last series as manager. Got to talk to Guardy, kind of get my feet wet. Talk to Jim Tomey, that sort of thing. Yeah. But those moments in time, individually, were certainly good. In 65, they lost the World Series in seven to the Sandy Koufax Dodgers. But when I sit and look at the future of this Minnesota Twins team right now, I can't tell you for sure they're going to win a World Series in the next five years. And I use five years as my purview or my, my reference point because Derek Falvey and Thad Levine signed – extensions that will take them through the 2024 season. So that's the yeah, next, that's the next yeah. five seasons. Yeah. But they literally are coming off a 101-win season. They're built very efficiently. I mean, if you look at any possible, like, quote-unquote, dead or bad money, it's Marwin Gonzalez, and that's pretty much it. And and Gonzalez gave them exactly what they had hoped for last year. You just, yep. you know, another, another story for another day about Gonzalez and the Astros and everything that's come out in the right, last week. Right. But I just I look at this team right now, and I think you can make a compelling case. And I've been thinking about this since November. I just finally got around to writing it. I can't think of a better time 
to be a Twins fan. So let's break this down. You started yeah. with the front office. Yeah. You mentioned you have two guys here. Some concern, obviously, with, with some shakeups with Boston that Mr. Falvey's from you, Lynn, Massachusetts. You, know what? you you literally were like, man, I hope Rocco doesn't go to Baltimore off the air one day. And I'm like, or, or Boston. Boston, yeah. When uh, I think it was when they were when they fired Cora, Alex Cora. Yep. And I'm just thinking, oh man, I, Rocco d- doesn't seem like that kind of guy. But the pull of home, you know, you can't underrate I, that. I, I'll say this, and I think I said this on the podcast before. It got cut because the audio was bad. But when I was Doing the show. Uh, you, was, were, you were underwater that it, day. It so, was, or no, you were under the tunnel. Yeah, it was unfortunate. So that was an Uber from the Boston airport to Fenway. First time oh, I've yeah. been to Fenway. I remember this story. Yeah, and I, I saw a the audio quality. Bailey Bailey was about to put me down when I came back. I was a little nervous about flying back. but uh, Put you down back as in, in the studio. you stink or put you down as in Old Yeller? I, I mean, I think Old Yeller. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey's... Bailey's in for the kill. Harsh but, uh, and severe. Wisconsin, man. But um, <laughs> that's how they do it. One time you go underwater, you're done. Done. Uh, but no, I think, uh, it, you know, I came here. We were approaching Fenway and I saw Rocco and uh, running across. And at first I thought it was a diehard Twins fan. And I was like, what a funny guy, like mm-hmm. in twin shorts and, and all this stuff. See him doing this run that he does all the time when he goes through Boston and, and talk to him a little bit as he was entering the stadium. It, it's a special place to him. I think also he knows just because he was there with all the cameras and, and um, it was a very welcoming atmosphere, but there's, it's a pressure filled atmosphere. And I think what he knows here is while there is pressure the you know, we would like to see the twins win here because we know what Minnesota is like when the, the baseball team's good. I it's not the same as the East Coast, the the you know, atmosphere and tradition of, of Fenway and the Red Sox and the the money they spend and obviously being in a bigger market, um, all that stuff. I, I don't know um if someone like him who I think likes that laid back atmosphere. I think he likes the job he has here. I think he likes working with Falvey and I don't think he's going to go. And I think it's the same thing with Falvey. The, the more important thing is that these guys came from great organizations. It seems like, I mean, they're locked in uh, in terms of contract for a long time and it seems like their system works. They're, they're um, including Rocco in the decision-making almost like he's in the front office. Um, and the trade-off there is in some ways they're dictating, or maybe it's all three of them, but they're dictating mm-hmm. uh, what the lineups look like going in each series and stuff. So I think, it's important that these guys are locked in, and you're right. I mean, I taking them from 103 losses to 101 wins, even if they end up, you know, in the 90s or something this year, I think they're going to be a winning team, as you said, for the next five years while yeah. these guys are here. And I think the important thing to remember with these guys, you know, they they came from successful organizations, and I talk about that in the subsequent part of the coaching staff. But what they've created here in terms of a culture is it can't be overstated. I mean, I mean it's probably why they got Donaldson, to be honest. Do you remember we'll, we'll that. four or five years ago the despair or like the feeling of like nothing will ever go right again for this organization? It may have been like the end of the Terry Ryan days. Like, do you just, I guess, I think back to 2013, the first year I covered them, and the, they just, they had this distinct, Detroit Tigers vibe to them like maybe not even Detroit Tigers now like that might even be worse than the twins ever got yeah but 2014 15 was okay but like 13 and 14 it was just like I don't know if things are ever going to go well again and then 2016 everything just blew up the truth is a lot has to go right for a baseball team to be good like even with football you need to fill out a whole bunch of different positions but it takes one or two good drafts right and all of a sudden you're kind of or a rookie quarter a quarterback and a rookie contract think about Mahomes right and and the Chiefs forever the Chiefs were when they were good they were like a 10-11 win team when they're Mm -hmm. bad they were uh, you know the dumps and now you get Mahomes but um, you know but we know with basketball teams turn on a dime right you thought Golden State would be great forever started losing right you thought before that, you know, before they went on the winning streak, it seemed like they they were mm-hmm. Timberwolves level bad. Or, right? or Milwaukee, Turned vice around. versa. Hey, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> I just wrote the game notes for their game tonight. They're like 46 and 5. Yeah. Well, would have seen that coming. And, and they were perpetually that 40 win team yeah. or whatever. That was incredibly boring. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing with baseball is these, as much as we talk about Polanco, Kepler, Sano, I mean, that happened in 09, right? Mm-hmm. And that manifested now, years later. Um, and all three got extended within like 11 months of each other. Right. The flip side is if you have nothing, if you, you know, no prospects, if you don't have a direction for the organization, even with the best efforts, it's going to take years mm-hmm. to get all these prospects up and ready to play in the major leagues, let alone make key trades, make key signings, all that stuff. Imagine knowing in 2010 
that it would be almost a decade in the wilderness or in the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness before the team would be any good again. I mean, granted, the 17 team was pretty good. But this is as the 15 fast. team was pretty good. I mean, I think this is as fast as it can happen. Well, especially the the quote unquote turnaround under a new regime who if, if you remember the 87 team, Andy, Andy McPhail took over. He works for the Phillies now. And they famously joke, we were just trying to get our act together and we won the World Series. Like, I don't think that sort of thing could happen now because of the infrastructure and the depth of what front offices do now and analytics and building systems and that sort of thing. And there's more playoff teams. Yeah. 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 Also, too, and I I wrote about that, the depth of the playoffs is so much bigger. It's, It's easier to get to them. It's tougher to get through them. Which also has to be considered in your analysis. They when they went to the playoffs in '65, they won the AL outright. They won the AL West, a seven-team division in '87 and '91. So there was there was not only no divisional round in '65, but no wild card. So there was no division series in '87 mm-hmm. or '91. It wasn't until the wild card, which came around in well, I think they implemented it in '94. But since there was no playoffs, it was '95. So we've only been in the 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 way things are in the playoffs now for about 25 years, and that's before you add the wrinkle of the wild card game, which I think has been a general positive. So all that has to be kind of considered in this analysis. Now, I want to go back to Terry Ryan for a second. For as bad as things got, it would be awfully difficult to say that anybody could have been set up better. So when you look at the successes of Falvin Levine, I think you have to look back on Terry Ryan's legacy, and, and even though it ended really poorly— he left a really good bedrock of talented young players, Polanco, Rosario, Buxton, Sano, Barrios. Those guys were all picked up on Terry Ryan's watch or Bill Smith's watch. I think that 09 was actually Bill Smith. Bill yeah. Smith. And what Falvey and Levine have done has, has taken them through player development through or just development of their own, but they've built a culture around them to make them succeed. You talk about the Dominican Academy I wrote about. You talk about bringing in uh, Nelson Cruz and – Trading I mean, for Odorizzi and that sort of Smeltzer, thing. Smeltzer. Yeah. yeah well, then, and then making these yeah. really good trades where you, like I said, the trades, you've got Valamont, you've got Smeltzer, Duran, Alcala, you've drafted Balazovich, Enlo, Cantorino. And then some of the pieces are from Terry Ryan's tenure. Bruzar Gratterall has been in the organization for a fair amount of time. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis Thorpe, Thorpe realize, has been a prospect yeah. forever. So in any analysis of the job they've done, you do have to tip your cap, if not just ever so slightly, to the fact that Terry Ryan, Rob Anthony, and Anthony is still in the building, did a really nice job building prospects so that, like, if, if you struggled to draft and you're a bad big league team, that's when things go sideways, like Pittsburgh Pirates not going to the playoffs from, like, 92 to 2010. Ba- Baltimore. Baltimore, like that, yeah. Baltimore not developing any pitching over the last, like, 20 years. Yeah. Maybe longer if you go back to, like, Mike Messina. So they did that part properly but there were still questions about analytics data whatever which i think have been obviously smoothed out by this group i just think you look at what they've done they've tried to get that big fish in free agency pitching wise zach wheeler you darvish still could do that next year maybe a robbie ray or something but you look at the offense they've created terrific and then you look at the pitching staff which again like i said had no depth behind barrios and barrios was still a prospect at the time like, I don't know if you remember, Barrios just got crushed when he first came up. Yeah, 8 ERA. Yeah, like an 8-hour ERA. You're starting to wonder, like, are they ever going to get pitching? You know, they go make an, a trade for Odorizzi where it was a shortstop prospect who, uh, Palacios, who hasn't done anything. Yeah. And now they're picking up kind of decent free agents. They've turned this pitching staff into, like, okay, they can compete. Maybe you don't think they'll beat the Yankees, but you have to remember about four or five years ago when literally, literally, Devin Smeltzer would have been their number one or two starter. Yeah. And now he's yeah. like they're seven or eight. And it's because they're analytics based. And I think you can say that about the coaching staff too. It's it's it, it used to be that it, they were kind of using old philosophies now. Yeah. Rocco. Rocco is a good example of thinks about the players, how to kind of take care of them and make sure they get through the season and also and create a good culture and also look at it analytically and how implement to implement the data. Yeah. And, and and it seems like we've seen that with his staff. And one of the things you pointed out and we talked about it while it was happening in real time. Because they're getting poached, it means he has good people. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there mm-hmm. just aren't enough, you know, positions to fill where they can keep promoting them. So, I think um, as much as it's seen as a negative, and it is in some ways that they lost coaches, it's a positive in that someone else wants them. Where 
Yeah. Yeah. Guardy had good guys, but they never, they were always Guardy's guys. They're and actually they in Detroit right now. They didn't, yeah. It's like an Adam leave. Sandler movie. Yeah, same, I mean, it's same just, cast. It's the same guys, and how many of them can you name? Yeah. I mean, nobody. But yeah. uh, well, to move on to the coaching staff, too, I think the big thing for me is that some of their guys, I, I don't want to call them minor because they played big roles, but Tanner Swanson and Peter Fats weren't on the big league staff, and they're on big league staffs for the Yankees and Red Sox now. And like I said, those are the Mount Rushmore. They'd be on the Mount Rushmore of franchises. You'd be the Yankees. You'd be the Red Sox. You'd be the Dodgers and Cardinals. I think is that is that probably the amount? Uh, he's we, oh Cubs. I guess you got to have the Cubs on there instead of one of them. Uh, I, we got a frown from Bailey, but I don't think you can put the Brewers up there. I don't think you can put any team that switched leagues up there. So uh, that's probably fair. Anyway, so <clears throat> excuse me to to have your talent quote unquote poached by big teams like that, or even just any big league job. I mean the Marlins, Mets, and Pirates. Uh, that's <laughs> nobody's getting real excited about either of those teams. I mean, the Mets before the whole Carlos Beltran thing, yeah, maybe, and they could be decent. I think the recent ESPN insider piece gave them the third best lineup in baseball. I think it was Bradford Doolittle. Granted, he had the Twins twelfth, so huh. shake, shaking my head a little bit mm. over that one. But mm. anyway, to to have talent poached by other big league teams is big, and I think I kind of brought that full circle in. When you grab Falvey, you grab Levine from good organizations, good people. You also want to get talent from the Rays, the Dodgers, the Yankees, whoever. So Jeremy Zoll, who has rocketed up that system to the point now where he went from farm director to assistant GM, and then Josh Kalk, kind of their pitching guru as far as I know from Tampa Bay. So Zoll from the Dodgers, Tampa Bay for Kalk. They've gone and done to start the process grabbing guys from that, and now they're having it done to them. I think to me that just shows, first of all, I think that the pruning of the organization, like I said before, isn't a bad thing because it's a constant flow of new ideas and there's no chance for anybody to rest on their laurels. But again, it just shows how quickly that their player development has changed from prehistoric, you know, Jurassic Park ages to cutting edge in the span of literally three off seasons. Yeah, exactly. So I think the the coaching staff kind of reflects the – front office as a whole. I, you know, the other thing too, is you have to have the talent. I think the talent always mm-hmm. makes the coaches look better. Um, and even and, uh, Rocco says that too. Yeah. And we should, we should say your, your article, which goes more in depth and we'll go in, you know, in this, uh, in this podcast um, is essentially kind of diagnosing the organization mm-hmm. as a whole, but you, you have to have that. So you not only have to have the MLB level talent, but we knew with that wave and I expect the Twins to be more successful. Mm-hmm. I think they should be more successful or should aspire to be more successful than the 2002 to yeah, 2010 yeah. Twins. But we know that really you have to split that time in half. There was kind of the the initial wave of players. The Tory Hunter, up. Corey Koskies, yeah, and then Pierzynski. the Mauer Mornos. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think that can get kind of jammed together, and in some ways it is um, during that era. But really it is almost kind of two separate teams that mm-hmm. created success for the Twins in that window. Um, so not only do you have the MLB level talent we've been talking about, but we were, when we were talking about trading, uh, or the trades, it was four players who should be part of that next wave, um, who should keep the window open, uh, especially window if open. they're only, if they're supplementary players, they're still going to help, you know, maybe Luke Rayleigh never becomes a star, but if he comes you trade up, him for <laughs> someone who ends up on the major, or if he comes up this year because a reserve gets hurt or traded yeah. and gives you a, a nice half season of production that's still better than what you had before. Yeah. So you hope Lewis Kirloff stuff like that, yep. you know, end up panning out. But I think, um, you know, I encourage people obviously to read the article and, and goes more in depth, like we were saying, but, um, I, the point wasn't, um, kind of telling people, Hey, you know, do this or do that. What to think it was more, I think this window is legit. Mm-hmm. I think, I think mm-hmm. what they've created is legit. I don't think we'll look back at the one-on-one win season and be like, as an outlier. flash in the pan. Yeah. I think now it might, and you know, I said this earlier, it might be 92, 95, 97, whatever it is. The reason for that is let's not count out Cleveland just yet. Chicago's on its way up. Who knows with Detroit and Kansas city, right? By yeah, the yeah. end of that, I'm talking tail under that window, mm-hmm. but, um, but they might even win more games this year just by being a little more competent. Yeah. And I think it, the question with that is, how do they do until Hill and Pineda are here mm-hmm. and how much of an impact do Hill and Pineda make? Yeah. It's going to come down to pitching and, and you hope in the off season they can 
add a little bit more to this, but that's how an organization is run is you create the foundation, then you fill in the holes rather than yep, yep. trying to fill in a whole bunch of holes and hope that, you know, with a bad foundation. So I, I think, like I said, I think people should read through the piece and it's, um, it's a good kind of almost preview. I mean, we're, we're going to get, you know, we're getting closer and closer to spring training. People start thinking, Hey, ba- I always love that feeling of like, even though it's cold here, mm-hmm. Hey, baseball's mm-hmm. right around the corner. I don't know. You know, I know you're watching the games, but that's more to analyze the team. But yeah. um, even if you're not flipping on these kind of games at funny times or whatever, um, you know, people tend to make their way out to Fort Myers. It's just a reminder, um, especially with kind of the weird sports scene we have right now with obviously the Vikings being done. Mm-hmm. This Wolves team, which isn't great. You're hoping they just grab a pick or something uh, next year. They're and not blow a 20 whatever point lead. Not not 17. So only two 17. Ever, 17 points within two minutes. Uh, up 17 within two minutes. But, Buddy Heald went off though, man. Yeah, and uh, and um, the Wild just being kind of in this ambiguous Either. like, yeah, kind of bubble in a, in a bad way, a bubble mm-hmm. team. So, um, you know, I think Twins are right there. Uh, winning team mm-hmm. and you know you had written about John we, we talked about Josh Donaldson being a big part of it but I think what you found at least in your reporting is that um, more than just money for Josh Donaldson yeah and just to kind of put a bow on the first piece the better no never been a better time to be a Twins fan it was just like you look at every facet of this organization it's trending positively it's MLB talent minor league talent you look at payroll flexibility even with Donaldson they still only have like 150 committed fully so you hope they keep your guys. That's the key is yep. they can overspend to keep the, their guys. The, but they they're 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 in a spot now where they could give seventy five million to Jose Brios or Buxton if he stays Buxton seventy five million yeah. yeah or both. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to do both. And then at that point, who on the team are you really trying to extend long term? I mean, if you sign Odorizzi to three years, I don't consider that long term. Yeah, down the road it'd be But Garver's got control because he came up so late in his career and Taylor Rogers is a little bit older than people think. So Thinking of guys you really want to keep around for the long haul, you start going further down the line of Kirilov and Lewis. Well, by the time you need to extend them, Donaldson will be out of the picture and, and, and Cruz will be out of the picture. You and, get a pitcher who yeah. you're talking to coming here. And, and hopefully some of these things that we've learned from the Donaldson acquisition mm-hmm. apply to a pitcher who you want to – maybe there is someone who available at 27, 28, whether it's through trade yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You may have to extend them no matter what, right? Um, certainly if they're free agency, you have to commit the money right away. But um, – some of these things you learned, I think it does. It not only applies to Donaldson, which getting him was really important, but it seems like it could apply to any free agent yep. um, who wants a good situation. Yeah, and hopefully that will continue to be the case for the Twins if they need players from the outside. I mean, frankly, when you look at their farm system, they've got a lot of players who can help them soon. They're very top heavy in terms of MLB ready guys, which was which has not always been the case. But right. if they need a starter, they can go get Balazovich. If they need a reliever, Gratterall's right there. If they need an outfielder, Kirilov, infielder, Lewis. I think it's worth Rayleigh. I mean, they've got a lot. They got Rayleigh for the outfield. I mean, they got Rooker for infield. They got a lot of options. Yeah, and I, the other question is a guy like Romero, right? Are there is there a player who's yeah. been in the major leagues? We know Romero throws hard. It's it's a control issue. Um, but he was getting out, guys out with a slider. Needs to know where. Completely the forgotten going. guy though, and like he yeah. still, he was making starts on pitching very well two years ago. Yeah, so um, I still think it's going to be important for them to emphasize the things they emphasize at Donaldson. It's, you know, A, they matched what he wanted to make or exceeded what he wanted to make. Um, but you had mentioned, like, he's convinced they're winning. That that actually is a great vote of confidence for the organization as a whole, that Josh Donaldson mm-hmm. is a great player, mm-hmm. uh, but really competitive, believes that there's a winner here in Minnesota. But also um, you said they, they, they've created kind of a family environment, um, and there was just a couple other aspects to to the recruitment, which is important for your own guys, but is really important for free agents when you're trying to sell them on Minnesota. So last weekend we went to the media luncheon right after the show. Justin Morneau inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame. Not a lot of takeaways from that other than he was richly deserving. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean that Giles, uh, Giles and the goalie, one of our uh, wild guys, throughout um, retiring his number. I don't think that happens, but he's as close as you get to that borderline. Mm, yeah, yeah, he's he's in that mix, but I just I, don't, I mean it'd be weird to so. see someone wear his number. I would assume, but Bailey as an outsider, more now. What do you think, Am? Uh, I think players have worn it since. I mean, not that that's a disqualifier. Yeah, I'm trying to think though. 
Have they? I'm going to look. Yeah, I mean, I don't have strong opinions either way. I yeah. Think, uh, I don't know how many jerseys the Twins have retired. It's, It'd be qu- like, it's quite would, a few. Will the Brewers retire Prince Fielder's number? No. See, and yeah, and I think that's actually a really good Like, count. Joe Maurer is their Ryan Braun, like the pillar. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go down the line, and it's okay, like yeah, yeah, Prince yeah. Fielder and, and Justin Morneau. And then further down, you've got, like, Jason Kubel as, like, Ricky Weeks or J.J. Yeah, Hardy. I think, I think if Fielder would have stayed in Milwaukee and still yeah. and still left the league because of the injury, I think it, mm-hmm. I think they might do it then. But, um, no, that's if that's a good comparison, then, yeah, probably not. So I'm looking up the Minnesota Twins who have worn number 33. There have been 33 players. Hmm, how do you like that? Woo-hoo. How do you like them apples? That, that's why you retire it. Two He's players cute. have worn it. So J.C. Romero wore it, wore it before him, and, and then two left-handed pitchers since. Huh. Last year, somebody wore number 33, a left-handed pitcher. Do you remember? Hmm. I'll give you a hint. They went to Twins Fest, and they were not yet signed. What? Yeah. Martin Perez. Oh, interesting. I and think, then uh, I I your guy Tommy Malone wore it for two years. Wow. I had forgotten about that. It was funny. It was like when um, – <laughs> Tory Hunter had uh, Joe Maurer's retirement. He goes, sorry, Denny Hawking. And the thing is, Denny Hawking was good enough that I remembered him. But uh, I was like, oh, that's the last guy that wore. I and think Greg Scott gave me before. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's like but, that's a deep cut. But anyway, other than that, I mean, media luncheon, they kind of glossed over. They're expecting more ticket sales and more yes. shows. Weezer's coming. I think ba- Bailey's going to go to Weezer at Target. Bailey's a big bit. Weezer guy. Yeah. <laughs> He loves the the song Hash Pipe, right? Um, the- <laughs> <laughs> I got a smile. I got a smile. Everybody's got their favorite Weezer song. I think mine's Island in the Sun. But um, I'd, I'd go see Weezer. I got to convince the wife to go. But they're planning on getting another show, getting some people to trample the outfield. You know how it goes. I, I mean, I, in general, though, the, it was a positive. They wanted to do more stuff for the ballpark experience. Yeah, they said ninety percent renewal. They have so it was at Bat and Barrel, which I think is a good addition to the ballpark. Yeah, it also, used to be the Metropolitan Club, and they've totally revamped it, which looks awesome. Yeah, and it, you know, you're not only looking obviously out in the field, but out, out in the city on the other side. I, um, I think they said about thirteen, fourteen thousand season ticket holders. So they mm-hmm. me- mentioned the renewal rate, but I believe it was up to like twenty five when it was open. I think. The, yeah, they've come. They've come a little ways down. I, that's going to take years, and I think the the big thing is you have to build winning seasons upon each other. Meaning, like with Malder, surprise eighty three. You know, like mm-hmm. back down. Yeah, so then, I think you could do two or three thousand per season. Yeah, which means you're probably three or four years, and maybe it's maybe it's um exponential where one year it's 2000 next year it's three five and seven yeah to the point where you sell i mean it it used it still was rocking this the best thing they did was have the cheap tickets um Mm -hmm. and they're doing it again with the ballpark pass for the first whatever season so it's like five dollar tickets which gets people in but yeah you mentioned 45 a month what was it something like that 45 um, it was like three dollars a game to get in and have standing room only and honestly yeah especially if you take an uber over there or like you walk from there I mean, you run in, you get something to eat, and you can still be under twenty bucks pretty easily. I, I really like that. As you know, people mentioned the they call it like a Netflix model or something like that. Mm-hmm. But as people are kind of buying things, um, Spotify's whatever it is, I think it's uh, um, it's in line with that. And to me, if you're a fan, um, unless you're only you know, especially if you live farther out, but unless you're only going to two, three games a year or whatever, if you're going more than that. Um, Especially if you plan on going there almost. Yeah, every it's month, like instead of having cable, deal. you have Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, yeah, you're in the city or something like that. You mentioned I, I, I love it, and I think the more that you can keep people in the park, um, it's not just the game itself, but it's the experience of walking around and feeling like you're part of something that's important. And the Twins need to recreate mm-hmm. that because it was like that going into the into the Target Field. Yeah that it became the case that the field was almost better than the product. In well, fact, when they it were was. when they were bad, people called it the best open air nightclub in Minneapolis. Like yeah, yeah. you pay pay the cover charge to get in and you party at Target Field for four hours, five hours. Yeah. But it's more about the beer and yeah. the food. Yeah. And less about, oh, there's a baseball game going on. I could it's it's like it's like being at a sports bar and watching it on the TV, but like flip flopped. Yeah. Like you're 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 in there but you're eating at a sports bar. It's it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy how that can be that, turned on its head. Doesn't work, you know. It doesn't work long term, and really, for a pass like that to work, you have to start filling the stadium. And, and I think they're getting closer. To you, that. you have to get to a point to where then you can't offer it anymore because there's so many season tickets, and yeah, it's yeah. it's a means to a better end. And I think that they're on the right track, and I think yeah. that's a good thing. Now, yeah. 
let's switch gears here. Uh, or I guess Twins Fest itself. Basically, and I'm going to write a story on this. All the players, the new players, the kind of the ones you want to talk to, they're going to build just this incredible clubhouse of dudes to talk to. Like they already have Trevor May, who is just nonstop Gamer. interesting. I, you can talk video games. You can talk biomechanics. You can talk pitching. Yeah. Whatever you're feeling on any given day, he'll give you just a notebook full. Jake Odorizzi is very thoughtful, doesn't have a real loud voice, but I think the one guy they'll miss in that respect is Kyle Gibson just because he was super accessible and super yeah. easy to talk to. But Nelson Cruz. So anyway, Alex Avila, legendary clubhouse guy. Tyler Clippard, I didn't get to speak to specifically, but I got the quote. Sounded like he was a really good guy. Rich Hill, unbelievable. And then Sergio Romo, I mean, he could fill 10 notebooks. And I'm trying to think of who else I'm forgetting. I, I don't know about Homer Bailey. I don't know anything about him. We'll have to ask yeah, uh, well, Justin about just, him. Yeah. Get the inside scoop on him, but it, all all of these new they're going to build such a clubhouse culture that, and I think something somebody told me a long time ago is when the Twins signed Tory Hunter, it you can sign all these players all you want, but if they can't still play, there's not a real benefit. Like if you get a clubhouse guy, they also have to still be able to play. Like if Tory Hunter yeah. completely fell apart and his second half was shaky that year, you know you knew he was done. If you get clubhouse guys who can also play, like Nelson Cruz and his effect on whether it's Miguel right. or whoever, that that's something that they've done and done very well. And I think doing that at multiple levels, DH slash outfield for Cruz and Donaldson for the infielders and Avila for the catchers, you've got Odorizzi for the starters and you've got Clippard and Romo and you've got oh you get Hill for the starters too, but Clippard and Romo for relievers, they've done it at every level. And I don't think it's accidental. That this team that had Cody Stashak pitching in a big spot in Yankee Stadium, Randy Dobnak pitching in a big spot in Yankee Stadium, like none of this is accidental that they signed like a billion 30-something free agents to fill in those gaps. Yeah, and we just know that no matter how much talent you have with the young players, things can fall apart if you have a three, four, five-game yeah, losing yeah. streak, stuff like that. I think those guys kind of stem the, the tide there. I got two stories from Twins Fest that were really funny. So... First of all, Rich Hill's having his media availability, and he's only got a few minutes because he's got to get going to, I think he did CCO radio. So Elvis is there. Elvis is the translator slash like yep. one of their PR guys. And he's like watching his watch or whatever. But in the background, Sergio Romo's yelling, Rich Hill, Rich Hill, Rich Hill. Like he's a six-year-old trying to get yeah. his, his autograph. Funniest thing. And then Luis Arise, who's super nice young guy, he came into the clubhouse, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with the visiting clubhouse, but basically you come in straight, and then you hang a, a straight left to go into the clubhouse, yeah, and it's yeah. totally different than the home clubhouse. But there was a line of us. It's like Betsy and Doe and me and Seth Stowe's. And so anyway, he shakes all our hands, uh, hello, hello. And then a little further away is Dan Hayes, and he can't get to him to shake his hand, so he gives him an, a head nod, and he goes, Okay. <laughs> And it was very like Eduardo Escobar. I, I'm not sure how it will come through the mic if it actually yeah. it was like, okay. And so it was just a funny greeting. Yeah. And that was, for whatever reason, it's my number one takeaway. Like every time I see Dan, I say that now. And he just like, <laughs> he just shakes his head and whatever. Yeah, I mean, we all judge you like Bailey. Yeah, I don't care. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Dan, Dan has some stories from the road about me, about asking about Bruce R. Gratterall's facial features and stuff. So, oh, boy. Yeah, if you ever ask him about that, he'll probably tell you. But Twins Fest, rousing success. A lot of money, too. I think the Twins Community Fund and that sort of thing. Obviously, the Diamond Awards, which someday we'll get to go to. Yeah. Um, doing some important fundraising for, I, I can't remember this charity, but really great weekend. Good lead up to spring training, which is coming up soon. Speaking of spring training and the opposite of spring training, you know, it's obviously snowing like crazy today. Josh Donaldson signing, so I was at the press conference, and I know we're banging the drum for Josh Donaldson a lot, but it is the most exciting Twins free agent signing in history. Again, I know Jack Morris got him to the World Series, whatever, yeah. but at the beginning of 91, first of all, he, he signed with the Twins because of collusion because nobody was signing free agents or whatever. Yeah. That's why he got a one-year deal that wasn't that expensive, or, or maybe it was fairly expensive, but it was a one-year deal. But from, a, from an excitement standpoint, Donaldson is number one with a bullet. So we split up transcription. I, people that don't know, a big part of this job is transcribing what people say. And it stinks. It takes forever. I would say if you have a 20-minute interview to transcribe it, it's going to take you, what, twice as long to transcribe it? Yeah. One and a half Two, anyway? Maybe three. Yeah. Depending on how fast you are. And if, if it's someone who speaks fast like me or someone who maybe speaks at a normal speed like a Rocco Baldelli. Yep. Anyway, so we split up the Donaldson stuff. We had stuff from Dan Lozano, his agent. We had stuff from... 
Thad or Derek Falvey and and because Thad was on vacation, I read in the uh, yeah the story on the Athletic. He was in Iceland. Yeah, but anyway, we split it all up, and uh, Doe's like, oh, I'm going to a coffee shop. Betsy's like, oh, I'm going to the same coffee shop. Bonus, John Bonus was there. He's like, ah, I'm going to go back to my condo and we'll do it. So anyway, um, Dan Hayes and I are the only two that are going up into this frigid press box. It's like 50 degrees. So I ran up there and I was like, there's nobody else here. What's going on? So I look out on the field and there's a party of people and I look real close and Josh Donaldson's one of them. Yeah. So I'm watching like, you know, he's, he's, he's standing at the plate and someone from his entourage makes up a bunch of snowballs and is throwing in pitches and none of them are close, but it's kind of funny. He's just pretending to like swing and hit homers. Yep. Kind of like all of us would do if we had like the, the little big league chance to go out on the field like Billy Haywood did. And then the security guard gets all ticked off and chases him away. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so he's doing that. And then the twins end up posting videos and they, they, they talk about him looking at like the big screen with his picture on it and welcome Josh. And it just, it was a cool environment. And then as he walks off, it starts raining the bringer of rain. Bringer rain, yep. And so yep. to me, it was like, okay, well, I have to write that as the lead. Mm-hmm. It's just something only I saw because it's an empty press box. I mean, Dustin Moore saw it. He's not writing anything about it. He's the PR guy. Peter Nelson, the photographer, saw it. Brace Hamilgarn, the photographer, yeah. he saw it. They're not writing anything. They, they might do a, a Twitter post, and that's where I saw the video of Rocco saying, oh, man, that looks good, doesn't it? And so it was a unique angle that I, I serendipitously saw it. And you got him to saw. come here even with all this. And now, yeah. hopefully there's not much snow in the beginning of the yeah, year, although so. we know that can that can happen. But yeah. um, you got him to come here even though it's snowing. He's, he's a guy from, yeah, I think he went to high school in Pensacola or something like that, college at Auburn. So um, Yeah, I heard he doesn't like Pensacola very much. Which yeah. I heard, I heard Pensacola is not very nice either. So it is. Uh, we don't want to not. Care, we should don't be careful. Wanna, it is the, the ballpark is nice. I've heard the city yes, is, is a I little heard. rough. Yeah. So before we go, speaking of go, I think Bailey. Yeah, is ba- completely given up. It. He's literally not in the building. He's right completely now. given up on us. But he probably went to go pet one of the dogs in the office or something. Yeah, I shouldn't say he's <laughs> out of the studio. Yeah, Bailey has left the building. Yeah, and so we're coming up on spring training. It's fun to get started on, okay, who will be on the roster? And, and the added wrinkle this year is that it's 26-man roster. I believe there's a, I don't know if it's a rule that's happening or a proposed rule, that there will only be 13 pitchers allowed. Now, I mean, you could call <clears throat> you could call anybody a first baseman if you wanted to. I think it's dumb, and I don't know how you'd get around that. But Shohei Otani, definitely a two-way player. I'm sure he doesn't count. Michael Lorenzen for the Reds, same kind of deal. But based on the fact that you're not going to go over 13 pitchers and, you know, you're going to have a deeper bench, you're going to have a deeper bullpen, I did put together my best guess. And this will evolve. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for it to evolve. But there are some parts, too, that are super easy to kind of project right now. So I want to go over mine. I want to hear your thoughts. I know you haven't gotten one prepared, but from mine, you can kind of riff if you feel like it. Yep. Here's the starting lineup, and I don't think there's going to be any – any kind of obli- – uh, well, what's the word? Objections. Objections. There you go. Not obligations. So Garver, Sano, Arise, Donaldson, Polanco around the infield, Rosario, Buxton, Kepler, and Cruz. I still think there's a chance they move Rosario. Yeah. I know it's – Might be a trade deadline. Might be next year though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean anything could happen. So ba- I'm – Bailey's suspicious. That's a different. That's a different story for a different day. Uh, I assume there's no objections to that. The no, starting. No, no I don't mean Bailey. I, there are objections to Bailey. Uh, so my bench right now, four deep. I've got Alex Avila catching, Ari Adrianza as your infielder, an infielder slash outfielder in Marwin Gonzalez, and then where I differ from Dan and Aaron over at the Athletic is I have Jake Cave on the bench. They have Williams Estadio now. Oh, I put the others. You got Lamont Wade, Estadio. Nick Gordon, who I don't think is in the in the mix, Luke Rayleigh, and then Gilberto Celestino. To me, that's the order of likelihood they crack camp with the team. I think you could argue Wade over Cave if you felt like it, but I think they're more likely to go with a traditional outfielder to give them that added depth. And I think I just think Cave makes it over Estadio. Okay, so here's why. First of all, they've already got two infielders who don't feel their positions particularly well. Jorge Polanco at short, Luis Arise at second. Mm-hmm. So do you really want to double down on that? We have no idea what kind of first baseman Miguel Sano is going to be. <laughs> yeah. So Astadio does not help you from a defensive standpoint at all. 
you don't need another catcher because you want Garver to play as often as possible. And Avila's been like a one B catcher the last two years. Like, you know, starts maybe two of every three, mm -hmm. sometimes You're reliable like, backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't need a catcher. Um, you're definitely not putting him in the outfield. So what do you have left? Pinch hitting, right? Who are you pinch hitting for on this team? Makes sense. So you, you're using Cave as a lefty for... I'm just using Cave as if uh, Buxton gets hurt. Oh. Rosario, you know, has to move over to center and you put Cave in, or Kepler moves and Cave goes in the corner. Or maybe you play Cave in center. We saw Cave in center a fair amount. Yeah, I really don't have a problem yeah. with it, but I think Kepler's better in center than Cave is. But to me... I I think Cave makes the most sense. I think Wade makes more sense, and then it's Estadio. And really, like, if you were to give them, like, shades of color, green, yellow, orange, red, mm -hmm. I think Cave is a, a green. Wade is, like, the next step down yellow. Estadio, to me, is orange, and then everybody else is red. I just think there's no chance Nick Gordon makes this team or anyone behind him. Nick Gordon's a case of, like, does he need to change the scenery or does he want to keep playing baseball? I mean, there, there's a lot going on with that. I, I think Brent Rooker could be in that mix too after how well he played. It's just that there's a 40-man crunch right now. So I doubt they'll add – if they add anybody that's not on the 40-man because they'll have an exemption once they put Hill on the 60, I think it's going to be a reliever. And they've signed a ton of those like – remember Jared Burton, Casey Fien? Like those guys who signed minor league deals and they come up and actually they end up – They both were really good. pretty good. Yeah. Trying to think of who they've had recent years. I know Craig Breslow didn't really turn out, but they've done it with guys who have been really good. Mm -hmm. And they've had it with, I mean, they've given big league deals to guys who've struggled. I mean, Addison Reed struggled, Tim Stoffer famously. Right for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they've, Tim Stoffer. Yeah, yeah, they've had situations where sometimes the big league money doesn't really make the pitcher. So anyway, on to the rotation. So I've got Barrios, Odorizzi, Bailey, Bailey, right? <laughs> um, Smelter and Dobnak. So I think you can make a case for Thorpe, but I have yeah. Thorpe in the bullpen. I think I have – no, I, I have Thorpe not making the opening day roster, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. I had, I had to scroll down and look for sure. <clears throat> so obviously you've got Pineda and Hill in your other's bucket. Pineda's welcome – or a <laughs> he's welcome to come back anytime, but he's actually officially available like the 12th, 11th or 12th of May. Yep. I mean it's, it's five, six – I think it's six weeks because they start in March. So obviously it, it it's significant, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, if you look at where a team is on May twelfth, how often are they completely in or completely out? You think of the Molitor team that really yeah. Dropped, I mean, it's yeah. it's gonna be a tight race. You're gonna have to fend off Chicago and Cleveland, and those games may matter if you're starting kids in the place of those two guys. And Hill's expected to be back. He expects to be back in June. I'm not sure if that's super aggressive or not, but. He's, he's starting a throwing program, and yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But this is where I, too, again, I think they still need one more lottery ticket type starter. There's been talks about Taiwan Walker. I still think Danny Salazar, former Cleveland guy, makes some sense, too. I don't know if his arm is still attached, but there's, there's a few other guys. There's, there's a few guys like that in that mix that I think makes sense to take a look at. But I go with Smeltzer because, and I, I hate this rationale, but I could see it happening. They don't have a lefty. I mean, do we care about yeah. that? Hill's, Hill's left-handed. I like Thorpe if he can come out of camp and look like the the starter because I like Smeltzer in the bullpen. But and see, I like Thorpe in the bullpen because Smeltzer, to me, is more of a guy who's going to set you up with different pitches. Right. That high spin, 89-mile-an-hour fast. Well, I, I, I mean, I could go either way. I'm not trying to yeah, say yeah, you're different, wrong. Right? Different arm angles. And but stuff I, like I, I, I see Smeltzer as a guy who – can set you up, change-ups and curveballs and stuff. Whereas Thorpe, I just think is more raw stuff, more I'm going to get you out this one time. Maybe my stuff ticks up to like a 94, 95 mile an hour fastball, which, I mean, from the left side, forget about it. That's that's really good. That's like yeah. you know, right around Taylor Rogers stuff. I don't see Smeltzer ever throwing 93, 94, 95. No, no he'd be the uh, Caleb Theobar. Like he'd be like the crafty. Uh, unless he turns into Chris Sale overnight based on body type, but Sale's taller. So – you know what I mean? As far as like, yeah, Smelter's going to be precision and deception. I think. So I, yeah. I think that might be the better role. And then Dobnak, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm intrigued by him. I met his, I met his father, his dad at, uh, at Twins Fest, and he, he's a very talkative guy. It doesn't like track when me. Randy was in Cedar Rapids, 
his his dad's name is Rick. Rick literally quit his job as an electrician in Pittsburgh and moved to Cedar Rapids oh and boy. took a like a temporary job while Randy was there. Really? So he could be at all his games. Wow. And like I guess the only city he never saw Randy pitch in was Fort Myers, hmm. which weirdly enough is where Randy lives. So oh, he saw like, he, he saw him pitch. There. Yeah, like that's where he and Ariel live. Like yeah. the the gal he married yeah. <laughs> during the season last year. Yeah. So he saw him pitch in Cedar Rapids, he saw him pitch in Pensacola, and he saw him pitch in Rochester, but never Fort Myers, hmm. like the hub of minor league operations. Right. So was, he was telling that story. He was telling stories of how, like, Randy has this, like, steel trap memory. He remembers pitches and whatever that he did when he was, like, nine years old. So I don't know. It was interesting. The fact that he's literally, like, the Drake song started from the bottom, like, I, I can't bet against him. So I think you give him that chance. Again— Assuming that Taiwan Walker or somebody else, Caleb Smith, whoever they might trade for a pickup, doesn't crack the rotation. Now, if you trade for Caleb Smith, then you get your lefty, then Smeltzer goes to the bullpen, and maybe you boot Matt Whistler. Yeah. I don't know. But for me, the rotation is Barrios, Odorizzi, Bailey, Smeltzer, Dobnak to open the season. Easy for me to say. Whew. We'll learn a lot more, obviously, in spring training. So let's there, go to the bullpen. That's where a lot of change would happen, I should yeah. say. Yeah. And uh, I don't really see any minor league non-roster guys making it. So so for the bullpen, I think you have six, quote-unquote, givens. Rogers, Romo, May, Duffy, Littell, and Clippard. Any yep. objections there? Nope. I think Littell, if he had been maybe like... I like Latel. I, I think, think if he'd been like eighty percent as good as he was last year, he'd be one of those guys that you'd kind of up and down. And I think they're going to up down Stashak. Stashak. I I agree with that, but I don't think Latel's in that class. I no, think I think Littell's I think really it, I think eighty percent of Latel would be what Stashak gave them. Stashak was so good last year, but he just has enough. Um, he has options, and he was just at that point where it's like you could. I I I don't know if I'm coining a term up down him, but. He's yeah, become, he's in the bubble. He's going to become very familiar with the gate agents at C4 in Rochester where yep. you make that 6 a.m., 6.37 a.m. flight or whatever it is. So it comes down to two spots, right? You, I mean, if you're going to have an eight-man bullpen, um, do you have any favorites? Because I think— So you're putting Thorpe there? No. Or no, so you have Thorpe. I was going—so yeah. so my quote-unquote others are— Thorpe, Stashak, Alcala, Duran, and Fernando Romero. Because I believe Fernando Romero is going to get— You have Gratterall in? I have Gratterall and Whistler yeah. in. Yeah. So the, the I, I, there's a part of me— Alcala like, has stuff. Duran, I feel like they're going to see if he can be a starter, right. which makes sense. Alcala would make some sense if he really pitches well in But so training. would Stashak, and so would Thorpe. Yeah. And Romero, I mean— do you, so I actually like Romero. I think Romero's a dark horse. They me. were talking up Ro, Romero as a possible closer last year before they realized how good Taylor Rogers would become. Yeah, I, I think Romero's a dark horse. Depends on what he did in the offseason to prove his control. So when I was talking to Doe at the Park Donaldson, yeah, MLB. MLB. Com. Um, he said that the out-of-options player is undefeated. So that's Whistler. So I think Whistler makes it. I do. I do. Whistler probably the first cut if he's not good. Like it's easy yeah. to let that guy go. But yeah, 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 the guy you cut on like. April 20th. And not Whistler specifically, the, that kind of player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think Gratterall, though, I think the worst kept secret in the organization is that he's going to be a reliever. I don't think they'll make him a starter ever. I No, so I think he should because be Because of reliever. the body type, because of – so he had TJ very early. He had shoulder issues last year. I think they say, listen, buddy, make him blow right it out. Away. If you have a Joel Zemaya career – at least we had you for three years. Yeah, and I hope it's longer than that. But I think he does. He goes there. I think Romero's a dark horse there. Mm-hmm. Um, Call I think is, although I think he'll start in AAA. Yeah, I mean I. So okay, it's actually good. It's a it's good that there's multiple people qualified to be a relief pitcher. Now the minor league types that they brought in, I put together the best list I could. You've got Parker Bridwell, Casey Lawrence, Juan Manaya. To me, is the most interesting. Yeah. He, he was a big leaguer with the White Sox. May have to call up Dan Hayes and ask him about Mania because I'm sure that he covered him. Chris Rowley, Alec Asher, Austin Adams of previous Minnesota Twins fame, Joey Krebiel, Daniel Columbe, Ryan Garten, and Blaine Hardy. So oh. at, at least five or six of those guys have significant big league experience. I would say Hardy or Mania have the best chance to make the team. Hardy, especially as a lefty, and you know it's pretty good numbers with the Tigers in, in a few a year, few of the years that he's played with them. Um, some years have not been that great. 
Uh, Ryan Garten was interesting. He played for the Rays. I don't know if he would remember or if he would know Rocco from the time or if it was more of a, a recent thing. But I believe he's got a really good changeup, if I'm not mistaken. I was looking through some of his numbers. Uh, Colin Bay, another really good guy, good lefty. Um, you know, don't don't know what direction they're going to go. But Bridwell's got some experience with the Angels. Didn't pitch, I don't think, at all last year. You got Manaya Asher with the Phillies for a while. Uh, Adams has been around. I think that their AAA bullpen could be pretty interesting. This isn't like this is like a bullpen full of guys like Buddy Boshears who have some big league experience, but not a lot. Buddy Boshears, I loved him. Hey, Buddy was my guy, man. Yeah, bright red face, lefty man. Yeah, it's it's what you want. It's a team that wants to win now. Yeah, um, but they've, they've got pieces there. If 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 they decide Gradrall's got to go down and stretch out, or let's say Duffy you have 10 day IAL or something. Yeah. I mean, I started to buy in D- Duffy late last year though. He yeah, was kind of revelation. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So honestly, one of the deeper bullpens in the game and, and they're not going to wow you with names like the Yankees will, but and another, another bullpen I really like is Atlanta because they signed Will Smith and they've got, who else am I missing here? Uh, Mark Melanson and, you know, a few other guys. I, we also know this. Sometimes signing a name in a bullpen doesn't work, A, because... Most of the time. Most of the time. Right, because they're up and down year to year, but also the guy established himself as a name. He might have pitched so much he's blown out his arm. So I I think it's more you want an army for your pitching staff, and that could be actually starters and relievers too, but you just want a whole bunch of people that qualify or could pitch in the major leagues mm-hmm. have them sort themselves out. Yeah, I think it's better to have those guys as options rather than guys you're relying on if that makes sense today let's let's close with this bailey get turn your mic on bailey was napping former brewers legend curtis Uh-oh. granderson is retiring what was your favorite curtis granderson memory from the 19 games he played with the team in 2018 yeah, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if i have a specific memory but i do think he did play a big role in the run that team was able to make mm-hmm. that year i think he was uh he got on base 40 uh, 407 on base so he, he didn't yeah. have a big at batting average but i think he was i he was a great clubhouse guy he was a great attitude guy um he had the experience i think he mm-hmm. was able to um calm a lot of the younger guys down um, obviously great career yeah. before the, but he's not going to be remembered as a brewer, obviously, but maybe a Marlin, uh, but I, uh, I remember watching him growing yeah. up, uh, super fun. So good. Yeah. Super fun guy. Um, bummer for the game, but I'm sure he'll have a long career outside of playing. Well, don't cry because it's over Bailey smile because it happened. <laughs> this is Midwest swing part of the zone coverage podcast network for oh the inimitable <laughs> Justin oh Bailey God. producing. for face-palming Tom Schreier. This is Brandon Warren saying thank you for checking us out. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. (laughs) 